is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Ulster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. We are back. Sorry about the week off, folks. But we have a lot of news to cover, and we're eventually going to get to all the Picard news and talk about the trailer and maybe give you some spoiler-free thoughts about the first episode, which we've seen. But let's start with news about the rest of the franchise, starting with uh, the big news from Paramount+. Plus. I mean, it is big news from a corporate point of view, but it probably will have very little impact on Star Trek. But Paramount Plus is merging with Showtime. So they're rebranding again uh, with a kind of <laughs> awkward new brand. <laughs> they they felt like they weren't awkward enough. And so they <laughs> had to up the ante just a little. Now the streaming service will be called Paramount Plus with Showtime. Literally, that's the name. I don't... This is a decision made in a corporate boardroom no one's going to call it that and did they ask anyone from marketing to weigh in <laughs> for just a minute <laughs> but interestingly the showtime network you know cable tv still exists uh and and satellite lots of people like that that exists and that will be also rebranded paramount plus with showtime <laughs> and so now if you don't like streaming you can just add that to your cable subscription and you could probably get the Star Trek shows, not now, but sometime this year. Um, right. And, you know, and other stuff from Paramount Plus. But it's all part of this, you know, media consolidation. And there are still changes going on with streaming. And I'm still somewhat concerned that they have yet to announce, a, you know, shows for 2024 for Star Trek. And they're kind of running out of time to announce something especially because there could be strikes in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot uh, going on right now. They're still greenlighting shows, but Paramount is also canceling shows and removing shows from the streaming service, which is kind of the new thing. I feel like HBO really kicked that off by taking a whole bunch off. And some Showtime shows have also already come off, I think, and been canceled. Yeah. So it's a, it's a strange time. We had all this TV, like, so more than you could possibly handle and now they're all freaking out and pulling back so we don't know but they announced yet another taylor sheridan show you know? <laughs> so you know so, so they're, they're growing their yellowstone universe so hopefully they show at least a, you know close to that commitment for star trek soon yeah that would be nice and they still haven't said exactly when this is all going to happen um in terms of the rebranding or what the how that's going to affect pricing. They're probably also going to increase the price, which they've already said they were going to do. I mean, Paramount Plus is actually quite a bargain compared to all the other streaming services. Well, I also took advantage of their deal, and I locked in a year pricing at half price. I suspect it's going to get close to 14 to $15 by the end of this year, which will still be cheaper than most, you know, HBO Max. And you know what? For me, like, I watch... A couple of their other shows, mostly just all the Star Trek shows. And even that, like, I'm getting my money's worth. I watch a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> so I'm constantly looking at it for reference. It's the, I watch the new shows. I watch the old shows. So all of that, plus a handful of others that I'm interested in, for me, that's definitely worth it. By the way, internationally, this probably won't mean anything. Some international fans already have Showtime shows, shows like Yellow Jackets are Showtime shows. You may not even realize that because they're just included in Paramount Plus in the UK and Germany. So that's the business, the boring business news done. Um, <laughs> I feel like you're just worried that I'm bored. <laughs> I'm worried. I, I, sometimes I bore myself when I talk about the business stuff. <laughs> Um, well, I found all this interesting, so there you go. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to someone who never bores us, ever, which is Jonathan Frakes. Never a dull moment with Mr. Frakes. So he's, everyone's been doing interviews, but he has been raving, of course, about the, the Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover and calling it a full-on comedy, which we knew. And he gave us like a little detail on it saying specifically the animation is at the beginning and at the end and said it's not Roger Rabbit for anyone who is old enough to remember what Roger Rabbit is. <laughs> uh, he said, because these guys, they come over and they're humans and you just accept them as soon as they're on the Enterprise. Which is Tawny and Jack. Obviously, yes. Um, is the only ones. Um, but they're, they're, they are plenty. 
<laughs> yeah, having them is probably like having 10 people there. <laughs> you know, Frakes talked more generally about, you know, where things are with Star Trek right now. And he kind of has this interesting perspective that he feels like where it's happening now is with Star Trek on TV. I think he, he kind of, he jokes that if you can't get a movie going with like Quentin Tarantino and, and Noah Hawley, then, you know, maybe. Or J.J. Abrams. Yeah, that that's a problem. You know, he thinks that Star Trek is all about TV, which, I mean, I've always felt, you know, ironically, Trek movies, called Trek movie, but. The best, Star <laughs> the best Star Trek is on TV. Um, I totally agree. I've always thought that. He's also very optimistic about this idea of more 25th century Star Trek. I think they all are. I mean, we'll talk about that. But I think the whole cast and a lot of the people involved are feeling very optimistic about that. You know, when I interviewed him a couple months ago, he wants to do it as an actor, but he, he wants to do it as you know, as a producer as well. He wants to be really involved. Yeah, he wants to get it at the beginning, right? And be part of putting one together. And he's, you know, he says he talks to Terry about it all the time. So we'll see if that happens. He is the perfect person for the job because he has the perspective of behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And he's worked on new tracks and old tracks. Who could possibly be better qualified than producer, director, actor, Star Trek expert, Jonathan Frakes? He's directed more not more episodes david livingston has that but more different shows and is the only one who's directed all three current live action shows yeah he knows it all yep uh next we have gates mcfadden because we exclusively announced on trek movie that second season of her podcast premieres on february 21st season one was surprisingly good uh because it, even though it was all full of star trek people you know, and I've been to a lot of conventions and just I wasn't hearing all the same stuff over and over again. No. Well, so, I mean, part of that is a huge part of it is some of them were her friends that she knows. So you're going to get a different conversation there. And obviously she's at a different level, no matter who she's talking to, than a moderator, for example, even if the moderators interviewed them a million times. But I, the conversations were so either very intimate and powerful or just full of stories I'd never heard that were just from their lives that there were so many great episodes i loved that first season and she has some really good guests the ones they've announced they haven't even announced them all but the ones they've said are william shatner kate mulgrew anson mount tawny newsome jack quaid and john billingsley which there isn't a dull one in that bunch <laughs> and it says surprise guests i don't know even though we got this exclusive but patrick stewart wasn't part of season one but that would be right. great if he was part of season two. Yeah, that would be great. Well, she says, old friends from Voyager, Enterprise, and the original Star Trek, and new friends from Discovery, Lower Decks, and Strange New Worlds. So look for that uh, February 21st, kind of the first week after Picard season three debuts. She's back on the air. One more, this is a sad celebrity mention before we move on, but I'm sure most of you have seen this, that Annie Wershing, whose first a TV acting job was on Enterprise, and then she played the Borg Queen on Picard last season. She she died of cancer at the age of 45. Such a sad thing. I was such a huge fan of hers. Like, I loved 24, I think, was the first thing I saw her in. Timeless, which I was completely obsessed with. Um, so very sad. There is, we can put up a link. There's a fundraiser for her family. But there was just an outpouring of love for her on social media. A lot of fun behind the scenes stuff with her and all the people who worked on Picard. Lots of, you know, dancing videos of her, you know, as the Borg Queen. I only talked to her once, but I saw her at a few conventions and she was so excited and just really enthusiastic. And obviously, you know, it's a hard job because the amount of time in the chair, you know, a lot of people wouldn't take on a job like that. And what's sad is that you know, she she was diagnosed with cancer in 2020 and i think picard was her last job ever yeah and I she took so. it on after diagnosis so and you know whenever i saw her at events she was just so i don't know just amazing and um so it, it was quite shocking she was so thrilled to be part of star trek and and seemed to be having a blast doing it like an amazing person obviously 
and and taking on such a difficult role because it's so iconic. But uh, she made it her own. She was. Yeah. We've said she and Allison Pill, who, who who herself had a great tribute. They were the best part of season two. I think. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. All right. Well, you got an update for everybody, all of you Eagle Moss fans who are so sad when the company shut down. Uh, you you have some updates on that, right, Tony? Right. I talked to Ben Robinson, who was in charge of licensed products, and he's been working as a consultant with a couple of other companies to revive elements of what was Eagle Moss, including the Star Trek stuff. One of the big things that was going on was this thing called Build the Enterprise D, and, and where you every month you'd get these little packages, and you would add more pieces to this like two and a half foot long with lights, very complicated model of the Enterprise D. People had were at least halfway through it, if not some were more than halfway through it when the company shut down and they were left with a half-built model and it was just terrible. That's been taken over now by an even bigger company that does the same kind of thing called um, D'Agostini, which is an Italian company, but they, you know, they, they do Star Wars and they do Marvel and race cars and all sorts of stuff. And they're just taking it over. And you could just say, I was it this far through. And they'll say, okay, then you'll just finish your model from there. And they'll probably be also letting people start from scratch once they take care of the people who were kind of left hanging. The other thing is people still want to buy the little ships, right? Eagle Moss produced more Star Trek merchandise than anyone. They were putting out new little ships every month. And there's just tons and tons of those. And there was a lot of them just sitting in warehouses all around the world when it shut down. And another company called Heathside bought all that stuff. That company also owns a brand you may have heard of called Master Replicas. They're coming back and they're just going to sell all the stuff um, in tranches starting later this year. It'll be roughly the same pricing because the, you know, apparently there's been like people are selling their stuff on eBay and rare stuff is going for hundreds of dollars. Oh, jeez! And, you know, people who just want to finish their collections. So this will be really good for collectors to help them finish their collections. But that's all just stock that's in boxes now. What we don't know is, is someone going to start making new ships again? Ben says they're working on that to try to find someone to do that. You know, because there's all the stuff coming for Picard. You know, there's the Titan. Yeah. Hopefully that will get sorted. And he looks, he thinks he's found a publisher for the books, including the Nana Visitor book I know you're really interested in. Yeah, that's the one I've been, I was so sad when I heard that all happen because I just wondered if that was the end for her book, which she's been working so hard on. And we, we had such a nice interview about it and I've been really wanting to read it. They're still working on it. They're, you know, so that yeah. that's going to happen. And there's some other books that were like written but not published yet. So, but uh, keep an eye. We'll be doing more updates. So it was sad news when Eagle Moss went out of business last year, but it's not back. But it's not not back. <laughs> I guess is the uh, you know kind of the good stuff will live on. It sounds like that is such a perfect segue. It's not back, but it's not gone anywhere <laughs> because right. if we're gonna t- the next thing we're gonna talk about is the Orville. <laughs> which is also uh not back but not not back so it's, yeah it's it's not dead yet and right. i don't know necessarily saying that it is going to be dead but one only needs to pay the loosest attention to entertainment news to read about you know, shows are getting canceled shows that were like people thought were big hits all the time yeah left and right so at the tcas last month the TV line talked to an ex- executive from Hulu and they're like, what's up with the Orville? And they said, well, we're not really ready to say anything. So, you know, it's not canceled, but it's not not canceled. Right. And of course, Seth MacFarlane says he'd love to know more, which we know. In the meantime, I'm sure he's doing 70 other shows because he's like the busiest guy in the world. So we'll see. I mean, I know fans really want it, of course. But uh, it's so crazy because they just, you know, they moved to Hulu and suddenly got this bigger budget and went all out. And now we don't know. And it's on Disney Plus and around the world and in the USA. I mean, if you look at his Twitter page, you know, the show wrapped up last August. You know, he does political tweets and Orville tweets. And that's all he does still. His, His Twitter page is still decorated with Orville stuff. 
So he's not giving up. So it's up to the Disney gods and the Hulu gods. So we'll we'll see where that goes. I, I think there's a chance. It's less than 50%, but more than zero, you know, somewhere yep. in that range. Maybe a movie, a short season, that kind of thing, you know. Right. Like a, I mean, I assume they still have all the sets, the, all the new sets they built. Yeah, it's storage, not, yes. you know. Yeah, they're not just sitting up waiting for people to wander around. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, I mean, both of us have been there. Those are crazy, elaborate sets. Yeah, beautiful. Um, really beautiful sets. Immersive. I think it's time for us to talk about Star Trek Picard. Well, there's no news on Star Trek Picard. It's not like we got a whole three-minute trailer or anything. Oh, wait, we did. Let's start off with the trailer. I mean, what were what were your thoughts in general? So I'm wary of trailers in general because I know they have to show action, 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 action. And so I always have to keep that in mind as I'm watching and say, okay, this isn't going to be indicative of the pace of every minute of the season they're trying to throw in a lot of action but as soon as i see you know Riker and picard and seven i'm all happy and excited <laughs> so and the two they're new characters one of whom i recognize from downtown abbey so that was fun ed spaliers is his yeah. name he was jimmy on downtown abbey for anybody who needs to know <laughs> very very handsome young man Yes. Well, that was his whole role on, on Downton as well. He was supposed to be Mr. Hanson. So, <laughs> I mean, he's a series regular. So yeah, that-, that was interesting that they waited this long to tell us he's on the poster, you know. So series regular sounds like lots of episodes. Yes. Um, well, so initially he wasn't on the first art that we saw. And then they released the poster and there he is. <laughs> you could kind of see him in previous trailers, uh, but... He just seemed like a random element. Now he's a definitely a more important figure. He's described as someone who aids Beverly Crusher's medical efforts, you know, and her Doctors Without Porters thing. He's you know, this is the character everyone is assuming it's Secret Love Child. I think. I mean, yeah. That, that theory is kind of you know it's got a life of its own at this point, and this trailer didn't do anything to shake it. No. Um, well, he also physically looks like he could be. Yeah. And then he has that British accent that French people have. So (laughs) in Star Trek, (laughs) which wouldn't make any sense anyway. But anyway, um, what did you think of the? I mean, overall, I got very excited when I saw the trailer. It was a really good trailer. It got me more excited for the show. Yes, it was action packed, but there was there was humor in it. It, You know what you you definitely got a sense that. The season is cinematic. The, the thing I take away the most is the look of it. It's dark in that, you know, uh, cinematic style. I see people coming away saying, we still don't know what the season's about. And that's kind of true. It's it's kind of amazing how much we know about season three and yet how much we don't know about season three. We kind of still don't know what Vatic's whole deal is. Right. Um, and what it's all about. We know who's showing up, but it's kind of amazing, actually, that they're still holding things back. But I don't think it's in a mystery box way, like Discovery used to try to do, like, haha, we've got a secret, but we're not going to tell you. I think it's genuinely, you know, they're just trying to hold stuff back. No, and I mean, I think you get the sense, you know that there's a big threat, and you know that they're going to come together. And I think those are the big things that you need to know before you go in yeah if this was the first trailer you saw and it was i mean they showed it during or part of it during a football game the afc championship no my brother called me halfway through the game like oh they're hyping this picard trailer do you know anything about it i'm like yeah i know a little bit about it do you know has he met you (laughs) he's going with me to the premiere um, nice so you know he knew that that was happening you know the, the people like him he's the one who got me into star trek you know so it's people like him they're trying to get to. And they're seeing like, oh, look, there's Riker. And, you know, there's the, the, the whole gang's getting back together. And I think that really works. I think that's what works most yeah. about this trailer is that it's fun to see them all back together. It acknowledges the past at the beginning, but it still feels different than certainly the TV show, you know, and it looks different. And it also looks like we are going to get character moments where they're having fun and looking at each other and interacting in, in the way that we 
in an in an evolution from the way that we know them. How's that for a description? You know, it's worth breaking down little parts. Before we get into that, they also so they released a new official synopsis. Do you want to use your dramatic voice to read it out? I don't really have a good trailer voice. I don't have one of those. In the epic, thrilling conclusion of Star Trek Picard, a desperate message from a long-lost friend draws Starfleet legend Admiral Jean-Luc Picard into the most daring mission of his life, forcing him to recruit allies spanning generations old and new. This final adventure sets him on a collision course with the legacy of his past and explosive new revelations that will alter the fate of the Federation forever. How's that? Very good. You know, when as you're reading it, you're almost mad-libbing it. Like, okay, explosive new revelations. Right. Is that, you know, the, the love child? and Collision uh, course with the legacy of his past. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> you know, we know that the season has some connection to the Dominion, fallout from the Dominion War. I still don't see how that has anything to do with him because we never saw him related. So... I think this this season we're going to kind of learn, maybe we'll see what he was up to and the Enterprise E um, was up to during the Dominion War. Yeah. I, I don't know. I shouldn't have said Enterprise E because I don't, I don't, I think Terry said we don't see the Enterprise E, but maybe through dialogue we learn, you know, what he was up to during that period. So they revealed two characters. So the other character is the captain of the USS Titan. We don't know his name either, but they confirmed that he's Todd Stashwick from 12 Monkeys, but he's not a series regular. He's recurring. That's what they said. Yeah. Some people think he's only in the first and he's joked on Twitter like, no, I'm only in the trailer. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So he's not just in the first episode, but you and I have said on this show, you know, on this podcast that we don't think he's going to make it through the whole season. Yeah. You know, why would he? Um, but, (laughs) (laughs) But he's not one and done either. Um, and, and previously Terry has talked up this character. So I think it is an important character uh, for sure. Even the lines that he has in the trailer are enough to make you, I think, interested in him. Yeah. He, he's got this kind of flippant attitude towards Riker and Picard and the way he kind of talks about, in a sense, um, recapping some of their highlights. Well, he's, he's very condescending about their adventures, <laughs> which is funny. Like it works. It's funny. It's a point of view. You kind of understand if you shift your perspective a little and it just is a great setup for them. So, and he just seems like a strong, like a memorable character. Like when he's in a scene, you're not going to forget he's in the room kind of guy. So usually on the site, we do these trailer breakdowns. This time we did something special. We got Terry Metalis to actually go over the trailer with me. So we put up a trailer analysis with quotes from Terry where we kind of break down scene by scene what he's willing to say. Every once in a while he's like, no, I, I can't say anything about that. So because there's nothing else to say that wouldn't be spoilers. Right. But there's quite a lot in there that aren't spoilers, but add a lot of nuance. like. You know, with regard to this captain, the, the the trailer starts off with the boatswain whistle, which we've seen in Star Trek before. And Terry talked about it. He wanted to bring back that Nick Meyer, Star Trek II, Star Trek VI naval tradition. I think that's, you know, is a good way to start the trailer. It kind of reminds you of those movies right away as soon as you see it and hear it. And it p- kind of puts your head in that mode. Right. Well, also, I think because the last... I hate to bring up the previous seasons of Picard, but they were very much outside of Starfleet. And this is a big reminder, like we're back in Starfleet. You know, Terry said the protocols are important. This permeates the season. Like this is your big reminder. Here's, you know, it's, it, it grounds you immediately. And getting back to the captain of the Titan, the Todd character, Todd Stashwick character, he talked about how some of the people who, believe in these naval traditions have issues with Picard people like Picard and Riker and don't necessarily buy into the myth of them um, which I think was what we're seeing with his whole like you know explosions and ships blowing up and stuff like that um, so it sounds like he likes things a little bit more boring on his ship <laughs> I know I was like why would you be a Starfleet captain if you wanted things to be boring 
seems like a strange job. Well, less people die. Sure. Things are boring. True, but maybe stay home. Anyway, <laughs> I think I do think he's going to be a fun character. He has a personality. He has a there's something about him. He has a an edge to him. Yeah, like we've seen bad captains before, like in Star Trek movies, but they're not. They don't. They're all kind of wimpy. Like that's what makes them bad. And he's yeah. not that. He's not like the James B. Sicking character in Star Trek Three. Styles, although, right? Yeah, Captain Styles with his swagger stick and stuff like that. Or the one in Generations, Alan Ruck, right? Yeah, he's the king of the feckless. Yes. Um, <laughs> feckless. <laughs> well, there's Captain Esteban. I mean, this is a yeah. I could go on and on, but for some <laughs> reason, in the old movies, they like to make Kirk look good. You put him up against some just loser captain. It's like Kirk is Kirk. You can put him up against the coolest guy in the world, and he's still Kirk. I know. Yeah, agreed. I think Terry gets that too. Yes, yes. It feels like a comment on that in some ways, and in, in just the right way. Um, you know, we kind of just accept the fact that Seven, like, hey, there's Seven, and she's in Starfleet, but that's kind of a big deal, right? And in in my interview with him, he said that you know that it is a big deal, and that with the season we'll get into that of how she's kind of struggling a little to fit into Starfleet. Yeah, I think that's great. Like, I would watch a whole show that was just that. About Seven, like, trying to adjust to... I mean, I always wanted to... I always thought that would happen sooner for her in her story. And that would have been really interesting. But this is great. I'm glad we're getting that. Because she deserves a more compelling story, I think, than she's had. Now, to get to your point about there being a lot of action, he did say there is a lot of action in the trailer. But it's just a trailer... Season three might have more action than seasons one and two. But, you know, he also told me not necessarily more than, you know, the next gen movies or episodes, you know, so that it isn't wall to wall action. And I think that makes sense because that really isn't the show. Yeah. Not that this proves the Todd Stashwick character isn't going to last long, but he definitely he says there's definitely going to be an issue with all of these high ranking officers because the Titan is the ship for the season. You know, that scene he said with the 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 Picard and Riker showing up on the Titan he said is in the first episode so you know from episode 1 it's all about the Titan and it's got an admiral a captain and captain Riker and seven and we know that they're you know Jordy's out there and Worf is out there um so there's all these kind of powerful figures and he said that this is definitely an issue that will be and one of those sources of tension for the season. So. Yeah, it's a little top heavy, as they say. He gives so we get little updates. He gave you updates based on the little bits we saw in the trailer on the characters. He said Worf is dealing with the fallout from the Dominion War, which we knew, and that the whole season three plot is tied into that. So I don't know exactly what that's gonna what that means. <laughs> you know? I mean uh, He's more, I, I mean, because there was, a, I asked him this about, you know, the connection between the different characters and the overall plot. And even though he said characters like Deanna, that everyone is tied into the overall plot, I think Worf is more tied in. Because, War, you know, in the trailer, we hear Worf giving this warning, you know, and obviously Worf is still dealing with the fallout of the Dominion War. We know that that's a big part of the plot. So he didn't say that there's a connection to Vatic, but I think. There has to be is kind of if right. you put the pieces together. I think there is some, some connection there, but at least I think Worf is the one who kind of tells everyone this is what's happening. Here's the problem. Right. He's um, got the intel. Yeah. And Troy can just tell something's going on, but it seems like, I mean, I hate to say it, it seems like as usual, she knows something bad is happening, but not what? Although I, I have faith in Terry that he's going to let her do more than that. There were just too many episodes of Next Generation where she said, I think he's deceiving us, but I don't know why or how. And you're like, that is not helpful. Yeah, definitely more than that. And and everyone who's, including her, who's been involved in this season has said that they've had more to do than they've had before. Yeah. They they love the season. So, you know, we know that that's not true for her. That's not true for, for Gates, Beverly. But it isn't clear exactly what's ha- what's happening you know with her character this season right. from the trailer because with Worf you, there's 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 a few bits with Worf the other interesting thing with Worf is we see him fighting Raffi yeah 
So I asked about that, and he said that they come into contact in the criminal underworld. I'm not sure, you know, what that means, but there's definitely a connection between those two characters, and we kind of see them coming into conflict. Those are great characters to put together. I mean, he said to you that that Rafi is reinvented and she's on a, a surprising journey, and I'm just so... I mean, even from what we saw, I just feel like, okay, she's doing already something more interesting than being, you know, clingy girlfriend. Certainly the trailer is giving you the impression that her substance abuse problems may be coming back. Right. He wouldn't address that except to say, well, that's a good question. Annoying. Uh, But um, (laughs) we see her putting something in her eye, some space drugs, drugs, you know, I'm guessing, you know, that's but it. What else would it be? In your Uh, eye. My God. But it's different than, because she used to smoke some, like, space weed before. Yeah. Right. She would drink and smoke space weed. So it sounds like she's on an interesting, complicated journey, which is what we want for this character. There's a reason he brought her back for season three, because he was obviously making choices. Yeah. Well, she is a great character and a terrific actress, and I'm so happy that she is in the season. I'm up for whatever he's doing with her. Regarding Vatic, so a lot of people, because you know, Vatic in the trailer says, you know, Jean-Luc Picard, I will have my vengeance or something. Mwahaha. Like that. Yeah, Basically. it's over the top for sure. And he said, look, any dialogue I pull from her, except for that, is just going to spoil the plot. But there's a lot more nuance to this character than that i was so relieved to see that because uh, i mean you know i've talked about it like i was worried and i was like vengeance is is frankly boring as a motivation it's just not that interesting and they've done it in such a great way before that like okay move on to something else and feels very one-dimensional and he's saying no 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 he said you're gonna understand where she's coming from and you'll you'll see her point of view so i go okay like that is very reassuring to me In a separate interview in SFX magazine, he said she has her own reasons and viewers may look at her and say she might have a point. Yeah. Well, that to me is the most interesting thing anyway. I love conflicting points of view that are both valid. So when people compare her to Khan, for example, because everyone gets compared to Khan, Khan really didn't have a point, you know, know, in in Star Trek II, at least. Um, He just wanted to kill Kirk. Yeah, he was just mad. I mean, he had his reasons, but you're never going, well, you know, that's a good point, you know. Yeah, he should kill Kirk. He should, you know. (laughs) I mean, because it was Ricardo Montalban, and for us as fans, because we had that history, it was glorious. But I don't, I wouldn't want anyone, you know, I don't, don't, there's no need to repeat that. And on it, and by itself, it's just not interesting. So I am reassured by this that he's saying about her. And also, because she's such a great actress, Amanda Plummer, that I would hate to see her reduced to mustache twirling. Indeed. We didn't, you know, I I don't know why I didn't talk to him about this, but we did really talk, because the last time we did a trailer breakdown with him, it was all about the Titan. And he had a lot to say about the Titan. But there's a lot of Titan action in this. And it that ship is just really growing on me. It's just, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, And... It, you know, it looked great in the trailer, and, you know. But what what do you think about the ship? You know, I'm not as shippy <laughs> as you are, for example. Um, but I thought it looked great. I just, I really like the way that it looks. I like the outside. I like the inside. You also briefly see again the Enterprise F, but I think it was telling is that we see that fly by the Enterprise F, and then it just joins like a dozen other ships, Starfleet ships. In, in this new trailer and terry says it shows up at very important moments but it's not you know it's not the hero ship so i it's just part of starfleet it's an important part of starfleet it'll probably play some kind of role in the season but uh, i think that's basically it it's just it exists and it's out there because if starfleet's at, you know under threat then of course the enterprise would play a role because it's an important ship yeah. And and the Titan isn't kind of that front line. You know, he describes it as an underdog ship. You know, it isn't the front line battleship of the, you know. It's not the flagship of the, yeah. Yeah, if you're under big threat, you pull out the Enterprise, your latest Enterprise to deal, you know. And so that sounds like that's what happens is that 
as Starfleet is under threat, you know, the Enterprise comes. Um, he also mentioned some stuff we already knew, I guess, just pointing out as you guys were going through the trailer about Geordi's two daughters and one of them works with him and that he's very protective of his family. He seems to be the one who's like, you know, oh, no, a big adventure. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> right. He settled down. Um, he revealed that Geordi's a Commodore because, you know, his his uniform is somewhat different than everyone else's. Uh, so he's not an admiral, not a captain. He's a Commodore. And he also talked about how when you come upon Jordy, so it sounds like Jordy is, I don't know how far into the season, but we do know that Riker's in every episode and he's the only one. Right. right? And we know that Beverly's in the first one because, you know, that's been publicized, but they're not all in the first one. Because what he says is when, when you show, when they finally show up to where Jordy is, because Jordy kind of seems pissed in the trailer. Yeah. Right? Basically Picard's bringing him trouble. Know, and uh, it kind of reminds me of you know in all good things with with old Riker, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Picard shows up and old Riker's pissed, kind of. Yeah. So a lot of that vibe there. Um, he also talked about Doctor Crusher a little more and said, yeah, you know, we do see her in these action scenes, which you see in the trailer. But he he reiterated that the main thing for her is still that she's a doctor, and that is her focus and her motivation. This whole thing of hers is she's. You know, she's Doctors Without Borders. Essentially, he described it as you're dealing with parts of the galaxy that the Federation is ignoring, basically. Right. Which is very much in character for her. And could explain why she's been out of touch, because she's literally far away. Right. And it sounds like she has to be, maybe. So who knows? We see Moriarty again in the trailer. <laughs> Still don't know what he's up to, but he seems... So I thought like Moriarty would be like they needed him for something cool. And he was like happy because there were times where Moriarty was kind of cool with them. Right. Kind of understanding of everything. But he, he seems very angry. Well, so he must have found out that he's been in a cube. <laughs> no one likes to know that they've that it's all a simulation, including his his lovely girlfriend companion. Right. He says he, somehow he found a copy of The Matrix and he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, we don't know yeah. who he's mad at, but he's mad. So Terry didn't have anything to say about that. Um, <laughs> or or about Brent Spiner's lore. He's like, yep, that's lore, you know, and. But did he um, say that is lore? That is lore. Brent Spiner. Yeah, he said that is Brent Spiner as lore. And I said, is anything else? He's like, well, no, not really. I just rewatched. There's nothing else to say. I just rewatched the first two lore episodes, so I haven't. I didn't rewatch Descent, but I watched the other two. I want to do that. I've been thinking about what is good to rewatch, and the second Moriarty episode is good, baby. I watched both Moriarty's before because I was a guest on another podcast where we were talking about them called Trek Mary Kill, which was really fun. And then I rewatched those, and I definitely, I think I'm going to watch All Good Things. Yeah, before. that's a good one. I think I want to watch that like right before, you know, like get me in a certain mood. It might be worth checking in on you know, some of the Dominion War arc, since that obviously plays a role here. And at least you may be the finale. That's what I was thinking. Maybe the last couple of episodes just to get like a status update. Right. I mean, it's a, it's an 11 part finale. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, That's why I was thinking just the last few. I mean, not that I wouldn't enjoy watching a lot of Deep Space Nine, but I don't have that much time and there are other shows out there. It is intriguing. You see lore plugged into, you know, something. So they obviously need either they're uploading or downloading. That's the big question. Are they putting something in or taking something out? You know, but they, <laughs> they need him for something. Um, right. I'm guessing he's in space prison and they show up and because they need something from him. And Do you think he's in the same space prison as Peanut Hamper? <laughs> it would make sense, but I, I doubt that they got that clever. With that, this. that would be so good. <laughs> that would be great, though. There's Agamus, like in live yep, action. All of them Hamper. together. I love it. Oh, that, would be, <laughs> that would be literally too much, I think. That would, but it would be amazing and terrible at the same time. Yes. Um, the nice thing he said was that, and you saw a little bit of this in the trailer, that there will that there will be some of the humor that we had from Next Generation, which I think is good. I want that. A little a little kibitzing, you know, a little banter. It's nice. The trailer bookends with humor. Yep. 
Picard has not been known for humor. The show they tried it once. It no, work. it didn't work. They tried it in the most violent of settings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I asked him like you know because in the old days it was great to get Data and Worf humor, but I, I just, I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of that here. And he said, well, actually, Worf, Worf is still hilarious, so that's good news. <laughs> Good tea, nice house. <laughs> but I think they're finding humor, the way he described it, in the fact that these people have been out of the game for a while. So maybe there's, you know, it's kind of, I mean, it really wasn't that funny, but it, you know, in Star Trek The Motion Picture, there were, you know, Kirk was like, oh, you know, which corridor do I go down? That kind of stuff. Well, you know? McCoy was very funny in Star Trek The Motion Picture. That's true. Picture. That's true. He, so. he got, he was a scene stealer. He got all the big laughs. It could be that it's that kind of vibe of these guys are some of them are literally coming out of retirement, I guess. Yeah, well, it's like I think it's I'm guessing it's the same kind of vibe. And it's good that you brought up the motion picture because it is that same kind of thing of it's like it's the characters, but it's also an acknowledgement to the fans at the same time. Like, look at us. We're older. We're getting back together. And some of that humor is related to the real world part of it as well as the in-universe part of it. The trailer is still serious. I mean, there's talk of death and we fight or we die and there's lots of explosions and firefights. And so I asked him, you know, what are the stakes here? And, you know, and he, he said, yes, there are galactic stakes. Um, and, and, and they mentioned the threat to Starfleet. But he came back to this, that it's still a very personal thing. And he drew a connection to his time on 12 Monkeys, which I think people should, if you if you like this season, check out 12 Monkeys. It's a great show. And that show was very good at this kind of world-ending stakes always being personal at the same time. I'll tell you, that was one of the things I really liked about early seasons of 24. I felt they really... That was like Jack Bauer's whole thing was that he was being personally tormented as well as trying to save the world. And his daughter was being tormented by a cougar. <laughs> that was like season <laughs> three, maybe two or three. So first season, she was just kidnapped by bad people. Um, I mean, we've really just dissected this trailer, haven't we? It's, yeah, it's... we have. I mean, there's been some other fun stuff on social around it. That's worth that's, you know, first of all, Terry was joking because we posted an anniversary tweet about Sub Rosa <laughs> and Terry <laughs> quote tweeted it saying like, you better watch this before Picard. You know, it's very important. And then every, a lot of people took him seriously. And then he had to clarify <laughs> that he was joking. <laughs> if you want to see more of the Titan A, Doug Drexler posted some really good pictures. James McKinnon. Posted that he he has a little cameo and that you can see him in the trailer. That's the the makeup guy, Emmy winning yeah. makeup artist. Yep. The yep. Drexler posted the dedication plaque, which a lot of ship nerds love a good dedic. And yeah. like all great Star Trek dedication plaques, it is basically filled with the names of everyone who worked on the show. Yeah, my my friend and former roommate Kevin worked on Discovery very early on. He didn't stay long, but he's on. He was on the first dedication plaque and that was very exciting that would be so thrilling i know i want to be on a dedication plaque and or, or i just want a character with my last name which i never hear anywhere so <laughs> we retweet a lot of the fun pictures and things that people are sharing so if you're not following everybody we, we try to share a lot of the good stuff so you can take a look at our twitter feed and see it and then there's a big thing he said that he won't say that everyone makes it safely out of season three but in sci-fi, there's always a way of seeing people again. And again, he talked about passing the torch to the next generation. And, you know, he's talked and everyone has talked about how even though this does give them a nice ending, it still has an open door to more stories. And nobody seems to be thinking that this is the last story. I brought that up in my discussion of the trailer because the trailer literally says the final voyage. The poster says the final season. There's a great line from Riker where he turns to Picard and he says, this is the end, my friend. I love that. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, mixed messages here. It's like, is this the end or is it not the end? And he said, it is very much the proper send off that he wanted it to be. It, it wraps up the story of the next generation cast. But yes, there is a door open for the next next generation. 
which I think is quite literal. You know, I think that's, you know, the the LaForge kids and, you know, maybe Picard Jr. And who knows who else? And you know, the interview with Frakes and Gates McFadden and SFX, both of them are 100% on board for more 25th century adventures. And in that same article, um, Terry talked about characters he'd really, if he was doing m- more after this, characters he'd really like to see more of. He mentioned uh, Janeway, the Doctor, and Quark as three that he was particularly interested in. Good choices. All good choices. Yeah, he referred to the show as Star Trek Legacy, which I think he's kind of said before. I think if there's a pitch document out there, I'm sure it says Star Trek Legacy on it, but that is the name of the show he wants to make. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea. I don't know if it'll ever happen. I think there's an appetite for it, and I think he's the guy to do it. But nobody asked me, except you. Well, this gets back to the bigger corporate issues at Paramount and, you know, how many shows can they afford? You know, I, once you buy another season of Strange New Worlds, you know, how many more Star Trek shows are they going to be buying? Especially if, you know, it looks like this Academy, they keep on saying it's happening. So if you add the Academy show, how many more shows? Yeah. What I don't think is going to happen is I don't think there's going to be a Picard spinoff next year. I'm going to put money on that not happening. But I do think it could happen, but it would be a 2026-2027. I think there'd be a break, and then they'll come back to this idea of a legacy show or something. Yep, I think that makes sense. So we have both seen the first episode. Yeah, if you've you've been paying attention to Twitter or watching Terry because he likes to retweet, like... Oh my god everybody's seen it yeah they've shared the first six episodes with press both Lori and i are controlling ourselves so so far we've only watched the first one and we're going to record our podcast before we cheat and and watch the second one which we need to do soon because i can't stand it i was so tempted (laughs) to watch the next one and i had to hold off and i almost did it the other night and i'm like no 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 just wait. So I will say that we're not going to tell you anything that happens in it. We're not going to spoil it for you, but I love it. So much good stuff in it. You can tell Jonathan Frakes is going to be one of the big highlights of the season. Everything yeah. looks great. Sounds great. It sounds Music is great. great. I, I, yeah, I loved it too. It's the most Star Trek show of any Star Trek we've seen in a long time. I'll say that. Certainly in live action. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Because Timmy, uh, I mean, I think Prodigy and Lower Decks are about as, as Star Trek as it gets. Yeah, I was thinking live action. I was... Here's the thing you you people need to know. It feels like Star Trek. You're watching Star Trek. And it's not just because of the, the elements are there. It's not just because Riker's there. No, it's the feeling. It's the feeling of it. it. Yeah, it's the tone, the pacing. Yes, the pacing's great. I mean, I was so excited what i was making a lot of sounds while i was watching it to my family's confusion and dismay but um (laughs) and already i can tell from just who's in the first episode that they're all getting good stories but they're also different and they are all older you know i mean we've seen a lot of older picard but they all you know, have their own thing going on. Right. And they've changed in ways that make sense. And they're still really smart and at the top of their game still in most ways. So, yeah, I know this is annoying because we're not telling you anything and you can't see it. So maybe we should just stop talking. Yeah, we'll stop. Sorry. But anyway, I think you're all going to like, I really think people are going to like it. Yes. But let's wrap things up with our bits of the week. And you have something fun. I always love learning new pieces of Star Trek history years later. So it's been known that Star Trek Four originally the plan was to have Eddie Murphy play a character when they visit San Francisco. He was going to be a college professor. Eddie Murphy was he was a huge star in the eighties uh, at Paramount. So he was you know the number one you know movie of the year. So he could basically do whatever he wanted at Paramount, and he wanted to be in a Star Trek movie. In the end, he decided to do a different movie with Paramount called The Golden Child. And that was that. And then that character kind of became the Jillian Taylor, essentially. And he was on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And I don't know why the subject of Star Trek came up, but it came up. And Eddie told a different story of why he didn't do it. He is a genuine Star Trek fan and sci-fi fan. Most of the interview, he was talking about Planet of the Apes. You know, I mean, he's... He's such an interesting guy. <laughs> 
he talked about how you know he met with them and they wanted him to be in San Francisco. He's like, no, I I want to be beam up and be on the ship and do all the sci-fi stuff. And he specifically said they wanted him talking jive with Spock. <laughs> it sounds like they wanted him to do Beverly Hills because if you think of Beverly Hills Cop, it was the, the the Detroit Cop with the stiff cops in L.A. You know, so it's almost like the same thing. And he's like, no, I want to do I want to do Star Trek. I don't want to do that. So he said no, and he could say no. And uh, even though later he joked he should have done Star Trek because The Golden Child was not, you know, didn't do well. No, it didn't. Um, but anyone who hasn't seen Beverly Hills Cop should watch it. I mean, it's been years since I saw it, but I feel like it's it was. I just have such good memories of it being such a funny movie. I just love when 30, 40 years later, <laughs> we learn something new, you know, that wasn't in any of the 20 books that have been written about Star Trek. Yeah. But I think he's right. Think about the Superman movie with um, Richard, Richard Pryor. It was just terrible. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what they wanted. And I get it. If I were him, I'd be like, I want to be on the ship too. That's what I want. So uh, what's your bit of the week? So mine is that I went to see Anthony Rapp's play here in New York. It's called Without You. It's at New World Stages. It's still playing through April 30th. So if you're local or or semi-local, you should go see it. Um, I will warn you to bring a lot of tissue. So it's, it's, it's basically, it's him. It's a one man show, but he has a rock band. Like I think it's a five piece rock band backing him up. So there's, he sings and he tells stories. A lot of it is about rent, which was the show, you know, he was in the original production of the show all the way through to moving to Broadway and doing the movie. Um, And Jonathan Larson, who wrote it, who died, you know, so young, like right before they opened. And there's that this isn't news this is part of the story everybody knows <laughs> so he dealt with that tragedy but it also is very much about his mother who was a nurse who died of cancer which my mother was also a nurse who died of cancer so i wish i had known that going in and had i read his book i would have known that um so i was a complete emotional wreck but i loved it and i found it very inspiring in terms of what how to turn those difficult parts of our lives into into creative expression and i yeah, i talked to him about it afterwards and asked him how he does that because he's doing eight shows a week or something and he's got a newborn baby at home um <laughs> and he said it's his way of keeping her with him which i just thought was really beautiful um so i was really moved by the show i thought it was great the songs were great his performance was amazing he gives it his all and it's so worth seeing and it's a nice small theater so kind of wherever you're sitting you have a good seat wish i could have seen it maybe they'll bring it to la i don't know it's a lot i mean again he does he has like a nine week old baby so I don't know how soon that's going to happen. I don't know how he's juggling all that. I asked him, he said, because I said, are you getting any sleep? Anyway, it's a, it's a great show. And I'm so, I feel so lucky because I got to see Mary Wiseman and her play and she was fantastic. And then Anthony Rapp this time. So if you're local, go. Don't miss it. There are advantages to living in New York. Many. I think that's it for the week. We'll be back next week. And the week after that, we will have our review of the first episode of Star Trek Picard Season 3. It's exciting. We're almost there. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs>